And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, or should I say Dimple Huggins, the crafty cat, because we're talking about cats today. And with me, he's an expert on cats because he was the former Monkus Strap on the first national tour of the Cats revival. He also hosts a web series called Music Mondays and a podcast called Danalized. I hope I said that correct. You did. Time. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> My guest today is Dan Hoy. Dan, how are you? Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Glad to be here. So, cats. Cats. <laughs> oh, cats. cats. <laughs> this is the movie that came out in 2019. It's written by Lee Hall and Tom Hooper, with music and lyrics by Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. Directed by Tom Hooper, and God bless whoever wrote this IMDb summary because I can't tell you what this song, what this show is about. Um, they wrote a tribe of cats called Jellicles must decide yearly which one will ascend to the heavy side layer and come back as the new Jellicle life. Do they mention that it's a yearly occurrence in the show? I mean, we did talk about this within the show. It is sort of like our annual get together. I don't think, oh no, it is actually. It's, it's pretty explicitly stated when they, uh, Jellicle cats meet once a year on the night they make the Jellicle. Uh, yes. um, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if people missed that little tidbit. But I mean, it, it, is, it is said quite a few times throughout the show, but at the same time, what is the plot of cats for most audience members? You know, most are there to see uh, see people jump around in in unitards and wigs for a few hours. You know, <laughs> I gotta say though, I've never seen the stage version. I'm gonna oh, say that right okay. now. So I I remember seeing this for the first time in theaters, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "This is what the show is." Well, not this obviously yeah, because yeah. they're CGI, but like it's two hours of people dress up as cats introducing themselves with pentameter of sorts <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's that is that is pretty much the show i will say for the movie believe it or not one of and we'll get into this a little bit more but they actually clarified a, a lot of plot moments in in the film version uh there is no dialogue really in the original stage production so a lot mm. of times it feels like you're going song to song to song to song and and the act i mean obviously as the actors on stage we all know what's happening moment to moment and um a lot of the beauty of the stage piece is that you kind of get to find your own interpretation but one of the things that i did actually appreciate with the movie was that they found moments where they could kind of offer an explanation and some sort of through line though again still very abstract <laughs> Like with McCavity wanting to be the Jellicle. Oh yeah, that's choice. not it, and that's not in the stage version at all. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, no. He he actually only shows up one time in the stage version. He shows up at the very end, and we'll yeah we'll talk about that a little bit more um, a little later on. But yeah, they made some some of the changes I, I actually appreciated, but a lot of them I intrigued me to say the least. So how? deep did you get into like the history of cats 
before. We talked about it. We talked about it a lot, actually. Have um, you listened to the old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which is what it's based mm-hmm. off of? Yeah. I, li- I listened to the audiobook of it, and even the person, it felt like uh, the narrator was trying not to sing it or say it in the rhythm of the songs. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure now, yeah, especially. But it was interesting. We, one of our first days of rehearsal, uh, we sat down with Chrissy Cartwright, who was, um, she was the one of the assistant choreographers on this revival. Okay. And she was actually the right-hand woman to Jillian Lynn, who set the original back in the 80s. No big deal. Um, yeah, I know, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but she uh, broke down the um, the entirety of the plot for us, as well as a lot of the history of of the show. And it's actually really fascinating. So T.S. Eliot wrote the, the original poetry, I believe it was for his grandchildren. Um, they yes. were poems that he would send and connect with. And fun fact, uh, Disney actually reached out first and said, we want to make an animated cartoon based upon your poetry. And Elliot said no. And the reason he said no was because he thought Disney would make the characters too gen- like generic and caricature And his whole argument was, if this is going, like these characters are real to me. So I want them treated with the care that, um, and then the realism that I would sort of approach it with. And years later, when Andrew Redweber was approached about creating the show by Elliot's widow, she said, I, cause he had written like a whole song, like this all started as a song cycle. And she said, I'm going to give you permission to create this show, but only if you actually give each of these cats a personality and respect what Elliot did in the original poetry. Oh, that's interesting. Which is why every single character has like their moment. And you can, when you're watching the show, you know, as, as much as people can critique and rightfully so, even the creators know this, the plot of the show, because it, it is, it's very vague, especially when you're watching it without any sort of explanation. But what, but what you have to admit that they've done very well is that every single character on stage has a very distinctive personality. And I, th- I think that that does translate into the film to a certain extent. I think that, however, a lot of the choices that they made for the sake of clarity and because of who they had in certain roles, they made some choices that were questionable, to say the least. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love this movie. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be bold in saying that, but because, not because it's good, no, no. <laughs> because it's a great study of surrealism and i keep saying that yeah um and it kind of to me it kind of gets <laughs> i'm sorry it kind of gets like the core of cats which is it's just about cats <laughs> yeah and yes we and like it seems like the filmmakers were just like we get it it's it's cheesy yeah and they played into the cheese, which I think actually works very well at times. What I will say, though, is that I think, for, for me at least, some of the choices that they made, and this, and again, we can talk about this when we talk a little more in detail about the specific elements of the show. Something that we were always taught with the stage version is that you have to take, in order for cats to work, period, you have to kind of take the material somewhat seriously because you have to care about the story oh, that you're telling. Course. Because if you're not invested and engaged in it, then how is the audience even going to get a smidgen of that kind of engagement? 
and and there, we'll talk about it when we get again when we get to specific moments. But there are, I, I think, one of the things that bugged me about the movie beyond just the atrocious CGI. What do you mean? It was I, I, no, it's, it's so good. I look. I, I will say this though. I would not have wanted to have to have been on that CGI team having to oh, create no. all like that's honestly that that's worse than a superhero film because you're having to do every single strand of like fur on like 40 cats that are on screen and make that look realistic like that's that's, then, that's an impossible task and then when they like rub heads or rub their head on something you have to get the folds just right of the fur and oh, all that God, uh, yeah. I would not have wanted to have had to do that get them in a spandex suit <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but beyond the cgi i think that there were times where it did kind of feel like certain certain performers and certain um directorial choices kind of were like we know it's cheesy so we're just not going to even take it remotely seriously anymore and my then fav- my favorite moment is at the end during what's that song is it, is it when judy dench direct addresses the camera during the addressing ad of the of cats when she says something, looks away, and then she snaps back to the camera. And I'm like, thank you, Judy. I know you get it. I know you understand. <laughs> and what's funny is in the show, that's all sung. Everything that she says there is like this big, huge, ah, cats in title. <laughs> like, he's like up there, like, screaming for the gods on top of the tire. And she literally turns and it's, um, oh, God, how does, how does this section start? With cats, some say one rule is true. It's like he sings that, but she just goes, with cats, <laughs> say one rule. Yeah, she definitely like, William Shatnered it in a way. <laughs> <laughs> and and I love one of my favorite things is watching um oh god uh uh some of the characters in the background. I think it's the individual who played Monka Strap in the movie whose name is escaping me right now. He oh, is, I I don't remember oh, his name either. He's so in it. Wait, I can actually look it up right here, but he was so in it. Um and he's giving all of the beats behind her. Uh, he's so excited to be there and he is just yep. like, yes, yes, oh my god, beat. Yeah, the, I'm like, absolutely. The absolutely. framing of that, of those shots at the end with Judy speak singing, because um, you have him and Mr. Mistopheles like clearly looking at Judy at Old Deuteronomy, but then mm-hmm. Victoria's there in profile and it's like, She's looking at her, but not moving her head. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah, could have yeah. framed it better. <laughs> yes, and Robbie Fairchild. That was the- Robbie that, Fairchild. Phenomenal Broadway actor. You know, I'm happy that they brought some people. And honestly, Francesca Hayward as Victoria uh, impressed me a lot in the movie. I did not know what to expect from her. I thought she was, I actually thought she was one of the, the highlights of that film. In terms of like the stunt casting that they did with this, I don't- hate it personally yeah there we'll talk about a few specific moments that i wish had been in but i but because they cast people they cast they they could not um there were mm, i had some people that were stunt casted that i really enjoyed and then there were some people that i was like oh but there were there were other options man like oh don't get me wrong i don't think jennifer hudson should have been in this movie at all no, no. I mean, and honestly, though, she wasn't even she wasn't even the one that that I was the most upset about. For me, it was um, Taylor Swift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, Taylor Swift. That's fine. Because, because Bombal Arena in the original show, and I and and again, having been on the tour, so this is like obviously I'm super biased because I was doing the tour when this came out. 
but she is just this like she's this tour de force she's sexy she's like confident she's like right up in the front and center of everything and and she is she's there like the whole time and she she's a character that you follow along with for for quite a while in the show and then when they're like all right so it's taylor swift we're only going to have her come in for one sequence um you know with yeah the craziest one where she's in a moon that has catnip <laughs> yeah yeah and i and here's the, here's the thing i can't even necessarily blame her like that's not i'm not saying like it was necessarily her that was like the bad element of that it was just wh- why the change and what who made that decision for like we're gonna make magical catnip in like a flying moon and I don't know. There were just so many things that I went, I, I don't know where this came from. It was for me. All for me. All for you. All, All of it for you. So, okay. I know, I, like I said, I've never seen the show, but I know that I know a lot about it because people, because I make people watch this and we talk about it. And then they tell me about the cats, the stage version. I know that there's, is it double casting? Yeah, there's like they play multiple roles, I should say. Mm-hmm. The actors. But like Monkey Strap and maybe Victoria are ones that are don't play other roles. Is that Yeah, true? so we don't yeah, so I do not play other roles or do not play other roles. Victoria doesn't play other roles. I would actually argue that m- most of the cast remains pretty much in their own track except for Plato also plays McCavity. Plato in the stage version is the one who's always lifting the white cat Victoria above his head. Um, you know, and then he comes back as McCavity. And then some of the other um like Tumble Brutus and uh uh Pounceable will come in as like henchmen at one point. I know the names, the names so good. But like it doesn't Growl Tiger also play so another in in this the the revival we oh, have oh. cut growl tiger in its entirety because (laughs) well yes and because especially so for the movie they kind of changed what that role was anyway and made him sort of just like a henchman and you know like a whatever like he had like the barge when you go back and listen to that like original score with growl tiger it's um i'll just call it insensitive uh okay Okay. at, at, at the very least there there are some things that i think maybe we're not on people's radar in the 80s where racially it is much more on people's radar in 2020 oh Um, i've definitely heard about that too yeah so in in the um in the name of main of maintaining sort of some uh sensitivity about that topic they they decided to cut that for the revival which i think was the smart choice also it's like a 15 minute you know operetta within you know within cats that just kind of comes out of nowhere so i think again even just in the name of streamlining things i think it was it was the right move oh my god this this show is amazing (laughs) and do not get me wrong i love this show i i i still to this day love it i actually when i was a kid this is this is why booking this this tour was so uh cool for me when i was a kid i actually watched the vhs of cats so many times that I broke the VHS tape. <laughs> my parents had to buy me an, uh, they had to buy me the new DVD copy. You know, that was back when all that was, it was like, oh, it was so exciting. But um, yeah, I was, I was obsessed with this show growing up. And then I, you know, got older, I kind of, you know, it wasn't, I fell out of love with it. I just kind of stopped, you know, I moved on onto other things, but then, uh, you know, coming out of college and getting this, it just, it felt like a really cool full circle moment. Yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And I will say that, it will always hold a special place in my heart. 
does that mean that it doesn't have its flaws? Absolutely not. But I, but I adore the show uh, a lot. Yeah. My, fa- my favorite is that clip of Hal Prince talking about, you know, cats and everything. And he's trying to find deeper meaning in it. And Andrew Lloyd Webber turns to him and he goes, Hal, it's about cats. Yes. <laughs> it's just cats. like, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, if you're coming, because here's the deal, you can walk away from the show with some sort of deeper meaning or some sort of, you know, interpretation. And we, we actually have a fair amount of fans that do. And, you know, they're like, oh, like, I feel, you know, like I can like relate to like the isolation of like Grisabella or the, you know, the, the kind of like mob mentality that's introduced throughout the show or like the story of redemption. But ultimately, 99% of the people that are coming to see Cats are coming for the entertainment factor it's it's a spectacle it's it's a really fun piece and you just gotta if you can kind of step away from and even with the movie if you can step away from i'm looking for something like serious in this and just go it's a bunch of cats singing and dancing for two hours let's we've it's been a, it's been a hard enough year already we don't need to you know like we just need to be entertained and get away for a few hours yeah have you heard the alien theory Oh yes, that it's uh. And so actually, there there are the two fun theories that it's like the cats are all like a secret alien human hybrid race thing, and then there's also that old Deuteronomy is actually just a serial killer. <gasps> I haven't heard that one. Okay, so uh, it, it makes a little more sense in the well, actually, I guess even in the movie because she goes away in the hot air balloon in the movie. In the um, stage version, it's the it's the U- it's the tire that looks like a UFO that fl- flies her out and if you want and like in some version there's a staircase but usually it's so in ours it was she gets lifted up by the tire with deuteronomy and then she flew out into like like you know like mary poppins did out you know uh above the proscenium oh my um, god that's amazing <laughs> the the joke was always when they had the stair unit that old deuteronomy was claiming you're gonna like we're gonna pick one cat to go to the heavy side layer which is like their version of like heaven and then they'll be reborn is the whole idea. It's all this, it's this whole reincarnation story. Like their life has been completed. They're going to move on to their next life. But the argument was that Deuteronomy was just taking people like over like the fence, you know, or like flying them up and then killing them. And then whenever someone like a new kitten was born, he would just go and see that's them being reborn. They're the new cat now. So really he's just a cult leader who's slaughtering cat, like old cats and claiming that they're being reborn. That is my my new favorite theory. (laughs) You were just talking about uh, a staircase unit that was in the original. Was it also in the revival? No. So in the revival, we used um, she. She would just like she would just fly out. It was if you watch the um, nineteen ninety. So the version that I watched as a kid was the nineteen ninety eight um, version that they filmed. I think the staged version that they filmed, like the pro shot. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly, actually, Growl Tiger is not in that either. But they did that for the sake of time. In that one, yeah. But at the very very end, like the tire flies up. And then the stair unit descends from like the side. And I guess in the original version, um, like original, original, back when they were doing it in like, you know. The 80s. It was like, yeah. Well, and even like before like the Broadway West End run, like it was like in like a warehouse. There was like a stair unit that would just run back to this like black wall. So it looked like she was just like disappearing into like nothingness, which is kind of cool. But the idea is like that she's like ascending. She's like walking into heaven. For the revival, they decided to just make it a flight, a flight unit just because it was, I, I guess, cooler easier i don't know i don't know where the design choice for that came into play so now to bring it back to the movie yeah in the song mccavity <laughs> yeah okay so the staircase that they climb it's all glitz and glam do you think that they're paying homage in a way 
Maybe. Maybe. I also think that they were just trying to make that number Vegas. You know, they were trying to make it like the showgirl, like, <laughs> like they were like, any sense of danger is now gone and we're just going to kick our faces and give a little ball change here. Oh, I um, love this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, uh, so I, I live with my boyfriend and then our roommate, we were all on the tour together and we actually are making a plan to rewatch Cats here like around Christmas time because this is when we saw it for the first time oh my god yes we, we were on tour in Toronto and we, totally we made it should and see it so we're we're going to be rewatching it here soon because yeah I mean again as ridiculous as it is sometimes it's it's fun it's a fun movie that's for sure I'm not gonna lie I have seen it probably around 20 times already I love that I saw it three times in theaters I bought it on Prime, and I've watched it a lot. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. And every time I watch it, though, my energy level always dips around the Beautiful Ghosts song. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, that was added for the movie. Yeah, um, I know that. They wanted, they wanted it to be nominated for an Oscar, which it wasn't. Well... Yeah. It was nominated, though, for... What did I write down? Oh, it was nominated for a Golden Globe. But oh, lost no. to "I'm Gonna Love Me Again" from Rocket Man, which doesn't surprise me. That that doesn't surprise me at no, all. No, because yeah. the song is not knowing Cats, the show and the history of it, though, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Ghosts just feels like it came out of left field. Be, yeah, because you know it's t- it was written by Taylor Swift. Uh, you know, it was yeah. He had it, he didn't Angelina Weber didn't even write it. They they you know Taylor Swift. Well, I think. He wrote the music, she wrote the lyrics, I think was the arrangement. So they like collaborated on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, and here's, this is where I will give it a little bit of credit because what one thing they do in the movie that I actually think was a really, really smart choice compared to the show is that they made it the story of Victoria and how she's sort of getting used to the tribe and kind of being welcomed into this new family. Whereas in the show, it's much more, there isn't a real central protagonist that you follow throughout. Like Strap is like the narrator, Victoria's is like the innocent one, but like you're never really looking at it through one person's lens. Yeah, there's um, no hero and villain like there is in the movie. Yeah, I, I would well, I would say they have McCavity as like the villain, but other than that, it's just like the tribe as a unit, and then Grizabella being you know singing memory and living her life. I I I think that they had to add something for her to give her that that song that was like this is sort of like my dream. This is like this is the I want song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they needed to put something in there. I just don't know that Beautiful Ghosts was the... No. And like when you, at the end, um, during the credits, you hear Taylor Swift's version of it and you can tell it was one, it was one of her songs. She didn't put in an album that she just stored away. And, and then when she got cast in this role, I guess she was like, I have a song that I haven't recorded yet. Yeah, she's like, here, take this one. Yeah, Take me. Okay, so doing the show, mm-hmm. you played Monkestrap, you said. Mm-hmm. We've established that already. What did you do to like audition, get into the role and all that? So the audition process for me was actually really weird in terms of... So for Cats, you would expect like the first thing that they would have you do is dance, right? Like right, for, yeah. almost, for almost any track. I mean, even Monkestrap, who doesn't dance that much, like you would still be expecting like that's like kind of like the first and foremost thing that they'd be looking for 
Well, fun fact, I went in for a call with the casting team, then immediately went to the call with like Andy and the creatives. And then the next call after that was with the producers. I did not dance until the end of the final call. It was the wow. very last thing I did. It was down to two of us. And they were like, oh, we guess we'll see you dance now. <laughs> and, and to be fair, like, especially in the revival, the amount that Monk dances has been pretty reduced. They, they really were looking for like an actor singer who moves. Okay. So don't get me wrong. It was for, for me still a huge challenge. I mean, you know, I, I've always moved well, but I'm not, I mean, I'm dancing with people who have trained in ballet their whole lives and who are up here doing like round off back hands from back layouts and are doing like our, fir- our first Mistopheles on, on the road. I'll never forget this. He would do, it was, um, was making a loof, like right at the beginning of his number, he would do five pirouettes into a tilt down to the floor and you're just one, two, three, four, five, up and over. And you're, and I would just watch it every night and I'm like, these are the people I'm on stage with. It's just, it was, it was always crazy to watch. So then, yeah, then we, and I remember laughing because when we got into rehearsals, every, all of the, all the people that were more, other tracks are more dancer oriented were they would all the actors would get together and be like oh my god we met at dance camp like how many times do you have to do like dance this how many times do you have to dance this and they asked me and I'm like I danced once turns out that a lot of almost everyone else in the cast that was not like me Grisabella Deuteronomy Gus like those four characters everyone else had done like on like a week-long dance camp intensive where they were like at they were dancing almost every single day. They were, they were oh, going around up, around, up, around oh. auditions. So I definitely was just a different experience for them. Um, so but we always laugh about that. I'm like, yeah, I, they, they threw me in. Not really. Knowing. <laughs> they were like, if you can't dance, we'll throw them in the back, you know, uh, it's fine. <laughs> so then this movie, is it based more on the original production with with at least Monkus Monkustrap's character and dancing a little and all that? bit, a little bit. I mean, they Robbie Fairchild is you know he dances more than I do, obviously. You know he's he's a Broadway guy. I think he did American in Paris, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Yes, um. So I mean, like he's he's much more of a dancer. I'd say though, for him still, they he wasn't in the original. I mean, like he's dancing, he's dancing, dancing like all of the time. Um. He's kind of you know anytime there's like a group number, he's up front and center doing his thing you know um but like and not even and again not as much as like other characters but you know he's he's up there doing it i would say for this one and what's also interesting and this is actually a good time to talk about this too i would actually argue that the movie is the probably the biggest departure from the original in terms of choreography of any version that's out there well yeah because they had the time to and well, this- also because andy blankenbuehler who did the revival in the in the during the rehearsal process Andy and the original camp had a, had a, it was interesting seeing them try to kind of blend their concepts with what Andy wanted to do and what the original camp wanted to do because obviously Andy choreographed Hamilton and like that's mm-hmm. his style and so there were um you know there were a lot of moments where the ideas would clash and they couldn't really figure out which one they wanted to do so a lot of the original choreography was maintained for the revival and then you know it wasn't really one very clear who created the whole piece for the movie they kind of let andy do whatever he wanted so a lot of that like really really low like kind of like twitchy you know the kind of stuff like the hip-hop cats with like with the twins the, the, the twins of, yeah 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 um kind of got to be maintained so i would argue that this was at the, the movie is probably the biggest departure choreographically for all of the characters from what the original was interesting and it's so i i kind of 
like the movie with a different choreography because for me give me a tap show I'm, and i'm i'm in it and then you got that with skimble shanks you get the ballet that's probably from the original you get a little more modern when it comes to them orgasming at the jellicle ball yes absolutely, um, absolutely. <laughs> you have you have the hip-hop that you mentioned so it's the in terms of dance this i mean you get like a little bit of everything in yeah the movie you get, you get a lot of different stylistic choices and I, and I, but i do think it works you know i think that it tells a story to a modern audience and it and it can come through because the medium is different right and you have and you have the scale that is movie and speaking of scale i guess nobody understood how to proportion these <laughs> cats in this world yeah that's true that's so okay. true okay so i get it that the, po- the book of poetry that it's based off of is all whimsical and it's about cats and you're saying names like Old Deuteronomy and Bombarella and all that. But was it this bad on the stage? Like, or was it a little more <laughs> realistic where you're like, okay, I'm a, a man that's six foot tall playing mm-hmm. a cat has to have a tire that's equally proportionate to him, you would think. Yeah, <laughs> I would say this for the stage. What where the stage is a little bit. It's a little easier to do it with with the way that it's done on stage. Is it's all it's all a unit set. You know, we have we have a set. It, we're not moving pieces in and out. So they had to kind of just proportion everything to that singular unit. Rather than for the movie, they're like, here are sixty six different locations. Let's figure out you know what all of that means. And cool how they did it, where they actually built they the built set. It. I know. Yeah, it wasn't that, that. A lot of that wasn't CGI. It was like they built these massive, you know, uh, set pieces, which is which is really cool to, to to watch. And honestly, that 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 is a huge triumph. And they didn't CGI. build the lion at the end, though, did they? No, I I doubt that. No, that one was CGI. I, I think that was CGI. But the like, but like the Mungo Jerry Rumple teaser sequence where they're like in like mm-hmm. the bed. I will. I I can say this now because it was. Uh, I couldn't say it when I when I was first told about it, but. Um, Andy came in because he was working on the movie when he was setting the revival. And so he came in and, you know, we had a day of rehearsal and he's like, hey, do you guys like, want to see like the raw footage from like what week we shot? And I'm like, like, I think it was like a, like a few days ago. And we're like, yeah, totally. And, you know, so he pulls out his phone and he showed us the Mungo Jerry Rumble teaser, like jumping from like the shelf down onto the bed. It was really, really cool. And then all of us were like sworn to secrecy forever and always. But for, I mean, now the movie's out, so it's not really that big of a deal. But uh, seeing them like in the, you know, the motion capture suits jumping off of like massive shells down to like massive, you know, bed. It was, it was really cool to look at. It, it was cool to watch. Now in the, okay, speaking of that, thank you for bringing up that song. Because in the movie, I got a lot of threesome vibes going on <laughs> from that song. Is that just me, or is that also in the stage show? That's that's not in the stage show at all. No. <laughs> well, it's a completely different song in the stage show. That's uh, it's interesting. The one that is in the movie is actually like the original, original, original song, like pre Broadway. Like I believe pre Broadway. I think that I think it's still in the West End production. Like if you listen to like the original recordings, if I'm not mistaken, so do not quote me on this. I might be wrong, but the original Broadway has what they've used the last 40 years the west end recording i think it is like the london original london recording has the version that's now in the movie the one from 1982 
or yeah I, I believe so i believe so here i can actually just i'll just pop in and see what we got going on so i can make sure that i'm not crazy <laughs> but uh the because in the newer version well newer still being like 1986 and on it's right. the mungo jerry and rumple teaser have a da 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 it's a little more swingy where in this one it's mungo jerry and rumple teaser it's a it's a very different song and in the stage version, it's just Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. Oh, here we go. Okay, wait. Let me see. This is the 1981 version. Yeah. So the 81 original London has that has the movie version, and then the 80 83 Broadway version has the updated version. Interesting. Yeah. And then they used the 83 version onward all the way. I mean, every production that's done it has used that one. And then for the movie, they decided to go back. And in the stage version, it's just Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. Like they're on stage, like the idea. So throughout the show, there's just another little interesting difference. There are multiple times called um, McCavity scares where there's like action happening on stage and all of a sudden like a bottle breaks and everyone stops. And if they think that it's intense enough, like all the cats like scatter, like they leave because they think that McCavity's coming. And the whole thing in the show is that until the very end of the second act, McCavity never actually shows up. It's just like the fear of him. So Mungo Jerry Rumble Teaser happens after like a bottle breaks and everyone scatters and leaves because they think McCavity's coming. And then Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser slink on stage having just stolen something. And they're like, shoot, we can't let anyone know that we're here. And so the whole song is them bragging about themselves and letting themselves get too carried away with, we are awesome. We're these amazing thieves. We're so cool. <laughs> so that everyone returns back. Whereas in the movie, it becomes, let's show Victoria how to, you know, live the life. Cause a ruckus, yeah. Yeah, cause a ruckus, exactly. And maybe Bone? I don't know. (laughs) Who who, who knows? Who knows? It's up for interpretation. (laughs) Okay, so we've been dancing around this, kind of, not really, but let's talk about memory for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, Okay, so you didn't rewatch it before recording this episode, right? I did not get a chance to, no. How well do you remember J-Hud's appearance? I just remember, like, like the snot and tear beats happening as she was singing. But I don't, I guess I don't really remember that much of what she looked like. Here, let me, let me look up a photo. Just <laughs> Because it, it looks like she's in blackface. Oh, no. Does it really? Oh, yes. Oh, no. Like... Like old school blackface. I get it. There are cats that do look like that, but like they should have taken a step back and realized oh, wow. that the grayish white furs around her lips and eyes were not a good choice. <laughs> I did never even clock that. Oh no. Oh like yeah. Looking at the photo now. Oh no. no add it add it to the list of choices you know no but yeah that like you you were talking about how they tried to be a little more culturally sensitive especially with the original poetry and the original show being not so much i mean (laughs) they took it out on her unfortunately yeah wow i i i never even i did not notice that when i (laughs) when i saw it last that's oof Oh yeah. no, that was like that was probably the second time I saw it in theaters, and I was just like, "Wait, <laughs> like who did... made who? Call them up, call up that that makeup department, and be like, why did you make these choices?'" Well, honestly, Not the, call up the department. CGI department, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, memory, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, a lot of, a lot of people, even the people I was like on the road with just did not, did not like her, her rendition of memory. It wasn't my least favorite thing in the world. I've, I've heard worse versions of that song. I just don't know that it, it worked for what, for, for, for the, the song. I, I just don't know that her voice was the best choice for that. For that. Well, so her, Taylor Swift, and Jason Derulo clearly are not British. Well, there's, yeah, there's also that. Yeah. And they're also putting on sort of accents with their songs. Jason Derulo did kind of fool me. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I had a moment of just like, wait, is he really British? Wait a second. But Jennifer Hudson, it's something where she hits her T's way too hard in memory. Yeah. Touch me. Yeah. Yeah. Or like uh, something, I can't think of another example, but like you, you, she hits some of her consonants way too hard. And I'm like, we get it. You're putting on an act, a quote unquote accent. Yeah. Also interesting that they decided to do that. Like the, like dialect work for the movie. I mean, we, we didn't do any, dialect work for the revival and usually i mean the broadway versions haven't really utilized it recently i I guess it's maybe they just wanted continuity they're just like well if we're gonna set it here we're just gonna have everyone do it it might have just been more effective to just say we're making a movie about people (laughs) i don't think that their dialect is going to bother people you know i think we could just let it be let it if run. You had, if they had a nice mix, that would have been interesting. You know, if they had yeah. some American, maybe an Irish person or a Scottish person playing a cat, or like you know, from another country entirely. Yeah, yeah. But, just, like let it let it run. Make it all multicultural. You know. Yeah, I mean they're they're fucking cats that are singing <laughs> and dancing. <laughs> my other my other. Th- one of my theories for this movie that'll make, but I think would make it better is if they got rid of the human form entirely and they were just CGI cats. Yes. Singing yep. and dancing. I, I think they needed to do what, what, where I think the CGI went wrong. And I, uh, who am I to say that anything? Cause I'm not a CGI expert, but from just a, a design perspective, they tried to live a little too much in the middle where they went, we want them to be cats, we want them to be humans, we want them to like look real, but we want them to like not. Like they, they, there was never like a very definitive style choice. It wasn't, we're making them cats, we're making them human-like, we're making them animated, we're making them not. So I, I think they just needed to make some, some more strong and definitive choices. So if they were going to be more human-like, there's a way to stylistically do that where maybe you have these like cool like mask looking things and you keep them in like the body suits and you, and you if, we're, if we're, we're already playing into the surreal why not just sort of invest in that and be like, they're cats, but really we're not going to make them, you know, cats, you know, we're going to make it like the idea of cats and we're going to make it like a design thing or go the opposite direction and go, we're just going to make them fully CGI cats. We'll get the mocap and then we'll just create little, or make it like, honestly, there was this really cool concept for like an animated version of that. Like, I think it was, I, I could be talking completely out of my ass here, but I believe... There was talking, one planned in the 90s. I saw that on the Wikipedia with, page. With Spielberg, right? He was the one who wanted to do it. Um, and it was going to be happening after the... I believe it was supposed to happen like after like the Blitz. Like it was like, like of London. It was supposed to happen after the bombing of that. Really? Like or two, if I'm not mistaken, I could be so wrong. Let me just... Like, that was the setting of the movie? 
Yeah, it was supposed to happen after I'm like I'm like checking to like see if I'm crazy right now, but I because I totally might be. But no, yeah, here it is. In a departure from the stage music quote, in a departure from the stage musical, Spielberg decided to set the film in London during the Blitz, the phase of sustained German air raids during World War II. And it was all gonna be done in this like really dark, like animated style, which I think could have been a really cool concept if if that had seen through, because again, they made specific and strong stylistic choices but i think that everyone with cats was sort of like we, we, we just gotta you know they're just cats we're just gonna kind of blend these different ideas and because there was never enough of a well this is what we're doing i think that's where things got muddy <laughs> <laughs> man this movie i could talk about it for hours i no, absolutely <laughs> i just i fucking love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's 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 it is very entertaining i will say for me just because i grew up with it and because i did it the stage show is always gonna hold my heart oh of course um but the movie i i also do always appreciate personally people trying to bring musical theater to film i i do i do really enjoy that i know a lot of people go you know yeah. oh like keep it on stage you know don't like make new things i i think that film as a medium and musical theater as a medium can be effectively blended and and can be effectively done uh so i do always appreciate any sort of effort to bring musical theater to stage (laughs) or musical theater to the film to film it's a good way to like like those lives to bring it to the masses Mm -hmm. they may not be done right as seen in this movie but like there are some shows that i feel like shouldn't you turned and like though i don't know cats that well i feel like this one was this one probably could have stayed on the stage if this one probably could have stayed on the stage or it could have been if they really wanted to get a new version of it out there it would have been interesting to have done like a pro shot of you know the revival version or something like that where you could have just done like the same kind of filmed on stage deal but yeah, I mean, again, wildly entertaining and very, very fun to watch. <laughs> All right, so let's go into the segment that I like to call Sharp and Flat. Great. <laughs> Sharp. Flat. In this, in this segment, um, we, we, ha- we each are going to highlight something, some things from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we liked it, obviously it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. I get it. I'm I'm so punny. Um, I love it. I love it. I absolutely adore it. <laughs> Dan, do you have anything? I I know that this is a little like you you were talking about um, your love of the stage show, and obviously you were in it. But was there anything in this movie that you actually liked? <laughs> no, actually. So actually, yes. So so here here's like a few sh- uh, sharps for me. Just okay. There there are actually a lot of aspects that I thought were done very effectively in the movie. I liked, as I said earlier, I liked that they clarified the plot to a certain extent um, as compared to the stage version. I think that it makes it a little more accessible. It makes, it allows your audience to actually follow someone like the choice to have Victoria be the main character of really like the main character of the piece. You're following her story. I think that was a very strong choice. And I think that that, that was effective. I also do like a lot of the choreographic choices. Um, I think it was cool to see a completely new take on cats from uh, from a dance standpoint. Hmm. I also think that the addition of, this goes into clarif- clarification of the plot, but the uh, addition of some dialogue 
I, I, I did not mind that. I, I think that that was actually kind of nice to see a little bit of scene work. I, we'll get into the flats in a moment because there were, <laughs> I went, I don't know. Um, but well, no. now we have to add another flat. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Hudson's design. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I would say the flat, the flats, I mean, in general, I mean, the, the character designs, <laughs> like I, I think <laughs> kind of across the board. And the thing is the people that created know it though. I mean, when uh, James Corden and was it James Corden and Rebel Wilson showing up on the Golden of the Globes. Orders, yeah. Like in full cap being like, we all know that <laughs> the, the, the necessity of a, strong, of a strong visual effects team. <laughs> and you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't love that. I also will say, and again, this is probably the biased side of me with this one. Some of the character changes were not my favorite. So for example, McCavity in the show is an intimidating figure because of his absence. He, he's always there, but he's never really there. And then the one time that he shows up, it's just this big dramatic like dance fight, you know? And yeah, I know it's very, very West Side Story. Here we are. But it's his big, you know, but that's like kind of his only appearance is, is as this intimidating figure. He doesn't speak. He doesn't sing. Shows up, he dances. It, it's intense. Monk gets hurt. Things like this. And then he leaves after blowing up the electricity. And in the movie, it, it just kind of felt very caricature where he no longer really felt like an intimidating force. He felt like, I'm the bad guy and I want the life. Hey. Like, he does magic too. What's wrong with that? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He's just a, he's just a Vegas, like he's just a Vegas showman at that point, you know, with the top hat <laughs> and, the, and the clothing, question mark, the, like the cape and the, and the top hat for him. For I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Um, and like, and things like, um, actually funny story we were doing a sit down in LA and Rebel Wilson actually came to see the show and yeah uh, we, we actually met, met a lot of really cool people on the road but this this story in particular made me laugh because they were filming the movie at the time and she came backstage afterwards and she met the person who was playing like she had talked with like the person who was like playing her counterpart in uh she was playing Jenny on the road and Jenny Annie Dots in the show is like an incredible tapper so Skimble Shanks in the show is not a tap number Jenny uh, uh, Gumby Cat is so she she was laughing because she goes it was funny to see you guys do all this tapping I I don't at all in the movie I just get on a cake and go and and as much as I do really like I love Rebel Wilson as a comedian I I did kind of miss I I just missed like the, I missed that as a tap number although Skimble Shanks as a tap number was was actually very riveting I really enjoyed that. Um, and fun fact, if I'm not mistaken, he was actually hurt when that really? was started. Yeah, because he's a principal, he's a principal dancer with Royal Ballet, I think. Um, oh, shit. And he was, I believe he was injured while that was filming. And the fact that he was able to produce what he produced was really, really remarkable. That's I, amazing. I, Bank was uh, actually probably one of my favorite numbers from the movie. Kind of like what, with like the changes that they made for that. Well, so for me, um, my sharp moments would is Judy Dench at the end. I have to say, <laughs> I also love the fact that she wears a ring throughout the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's and very you, prominent. <laughs> well, and didn't they? Did, uh, how many? I'm going to call this a sharp and a flat. Um, this is a flat sharp because uh, it just made me laugh. How many movies have to re-release while they're in theaters to fix the CGI? And that, then, no. 
<laughs> so like the reason I'm like, I, like the shark part of that is like, at least they recognized it and we're like, we're going to try to fix it. But like, it was, oh my it God. was obviously rushed for Christmas release. So yeah, and you're like, Ooh, Ooh things, my God. Were, things were missed. But I also love, okay. Like I said, I've seen this conservatively 20 times. <laughs> and every time I watch it, I pay attention to this one moment it's during Gus's song. And the time code is at an hour, one minute and 21 seconds. There's a shot of Gus in profile. And in the left side, you see Judy Dench in her basket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lounging. Her basket thrown. And on the right side of the screen, like a little more to the right of the screen, you see Skimble Shanks in the wings putting on his tap shoes. I love that moment. I love that. And I don't, I'm just like, this doesn't have to be in the movie, Mm-mm. but I love it. <laughs> well, because it's like, it's showing that they care about the world that they're building, you know, to a certain extent. I don't think so. I think you're putting too much effort into oh, it. Oh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, yeah. I actually, like, I just appreciate little things like that, though, because we talked about it a lot when we were prepping for the tour. And it was just that, like, all of those little tiny, tiny moments, like the tiniest of tiny moments where you have like a little interaction with someone or you get to do like a little thing that's like feline or like in your character those are what make cats cats yeah because and so like but like the little moment like he's preparing like for me i'm like oh he's, like, he's preparing for his bid for the heavy side layer you know like i like no like i i do like, like, I, I do appreciate that. that's the most human moment really because yeah. he's sitting on the floor in his pants putting <laughs> on his boots I don't even know if they're tap shoes, like for real. Like boot tap shoes, yeah. <laughs> boot tap shoes. But I also, I do also love, and I it makes me tickle with laughter every time in Skimbleshanks, the song, mm-hmm. that all the cats have different styled shoes based on their cat. I love that though. I love that. <laughs> I know, I love, I love it. I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a total shock for me. And Jenny, any dots though, is she the only one that taps in, in the stage version? Um, well, so she's the only one that does like big solo tap. Everyone, everyone taps in Gumby Cat. So with it, it starts with her kind of tapping and they're like, um, you know, she's instructing like the cockroaches and things like that, which also can we talk about, here's another flat, the, the cockroach design. That was I'm sorry. That was nightmare inducing. That was, I was, I was scared. I was like, Oh my God. Like what? I think it's one woman too. Like, yeah. Like over and over and over again. uh That was scary. But um, yeah, like, so like the whole cast ends up tapping with Jenny. Some of us were like, if we didn't have time to go off and change shoes, like I just danced it in uh, jazz shoes, but uh, about half the cast was in taps for that. Were they Uh, all different styled shoes though? Or were they? Okay. Well, everyone, well, I think everyone had the same, like the, the shoe style was the same, like it was the same like cut and everything, but they were all painted differently based on like the costuming and everyone got like different like little fur marks and things like that. Okay. I don't know that everyone had like, I don't think like one was like a tap boot, one was like a tap, you know, I don't think everyone got different. Yeah, because if, if when whenever, if you ever rewatch it, this movie, just mm-hmm. pay attention to the shoes, especially in that wide shot of all of them on the, the railway. Train. Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like you can if you pause it just right you can definitely see that like one is a t-strap one's an ankle strap one has a giant bow on it there's oh, uh, a flat there's a there's a flat for a man there's a boot there's a this like they are different shoes every time and i'm just like 
somebody had a thought and I'm so happy for that. And I'm, ha- and I'm happy they got to see that come to fruition. <laughs> While we're talking about Sharps, because you, you mentioned um, Ian McKellen as Gus, that was a huge shark for me. I really, really liked him in that role. Oh yeah, somebody paid him to lick out of a bowl and he was like, just like, yes, <laughs> and yes, God, I will do this. And the actual number, I was like, oh, like it was so heartwarming and like lovely. And I was like, oh, like I just, I just like, I also just really like Ian McKellen. I just like him as a human being and as an actor. I know he's also stunt casting, but like he's one that was done well. Yeah, he made sense. Like he was someone I would have cast in the show even if he had not been a celebrity because that is what that role is kind of supposed to be. And like I I understand the story behind Judy Dench and yeah, I can appreciate it. But she wasn't, I don't think she was the right person for that role. No, I feel like though Deuteronomy doesn't ha- is genderless, right? I would say genderless. Where I will say is that I missed the power vocals like like because there yes. there's a lot of the emotion and a lot of the story can still be conveyed through the singing of those numbers um and i think that that really establishes deuteronomy's authority and it and it creates i think a really it's a really strong character element for him and i do and again i can respect why they brought in judy dench with her history with the show and how she never really got to do it because of the injury but i don't think that was my favorite casting choice uh, of all time uh, and also Mistopheles. Um, I liked, so this is another like sharp flat moment. The sharp is, I actually kind of liked the way they took the character, like, and actually kind of fleshed him out. Cause in the, in the show, he doesn't really have that at all. Like he dances a lot throughout, but then he kind of shows up as this, like this cool, mysterious cat at the end, you know, like whatever. And he just does like a big, he does his big old dance number and leaves. But I really liked how they actually kind of intertwined him into Victoria's story as like, this is like a very shy and, you know, he has all this power, but he doesn't know how to use it yet. Like, I, I love that kind of stuff for him. Where it's a little bit of a flat for me is I do really, really miss the dancing in that number from him. I really, really miss the dancing in Mistopheles because that is one of the most impressive parts of the show. You didn't like the CGA magic at the end of his number? <laughs> I mean, the, the magic was fine. <laughs> but like, I wanted, I mean, and again, it's this is the bias from the show, but like, I wanted those, you know, these beautiful turns in second through like the, into like the leap circles and things like that. Cause like that, that for me is what that number really is. And that was one of the most, like every single night when that number was done, like on tour, like the crowd just was going wild. Cause the dancing in that number, was just so. so and then they ended, they made it so that they were dating at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Unclear. Yeah. I, I, who knows? I mean, at least I appreciate, again, I can appreciate that they kind of created some character development there with that um, and kind of gave that a little bit more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A relatable arc for yeah. them. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But again, ultimately could have done with a, with a little more dancing from him. <laughs> um, I talked about it before, but I'm going to say it again. Beautiful Ghosts is definitely a flat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it slows the movie down. Mm-hmm. It does. And it's already like a slow part of the movie. So it's like, we're slowing it down to an, a, a crawl at this point. And it does, it should, no, <laughs> don't do that. I didn't like, uh, the song doesn't really work. I will say though, Francesca Hayward's performance in that song, I actually enjoyed. Oh yes, yes. Like, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm not knocking the talent. I'm knocking the song itself. <laughs> and, the stru- and where it kind of falls into the structure, I agree. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then obviously like we kind of talked about too, Jennifer Hudson's design. Uh, could have been better. 
could could have been better. Could have been better. Now, I'm going to need you to separate your love of the show and just focus on the movie for a second. Okay. Are there any songs from the movie version that you would put on your life's playlist? Okay. So Skimbleshanks. Oh, obviously, like the tapping, like the tapping in the movie from that is is really really fantastic, and that gets me like that gets me hyped. Honestly, the Jellicle Ball had some cool new orchestrations that I also really enjoyed. Like I would throw that into like my day to day like jam play, like the like the like the big huge dance number where they're all in like the warehouse during the ball, like the ball itself. Like that was that was fun. Which is unfortunate. They cut that from the from the soundtrack. Cut from the soundtrack? Oh no, because it's it's highlights that they have so they don't that's one of the ones and i'm like that's like the best one to have oh god i'm trying to think if there's anything else i actually i enjoy jason derulo's tugger okay. that, that one's a lot of fun that one's very high energy and and, and he actually he actually impressed me because i did not know what to expect coming in and i had and it was probably that my my expectations were pretty low which and then I saw it and went, oh, okay. Like you were definitely not like, like you were, you, you were good. Like you were, like you worked for the role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say probably other than those, that, that, those are probably the only ones that I'd be adding to the life playlist. <laughs> Cause then other than those, it would be, if I were to do anything else, they would probably be pulled from the show. And we're, we're, we're separating from the show. Yeah, and exactly. And we're separating, we're separating the two. I'm, I'd have to agree with you with Skimbleshanks and I'm going to add Mr. Mistopheles. Mm. Uh, for my playlist because I like the song and it's also one of those like boost you up kind of a song and Mm -hmm. you can do anything kind of a thing and then also you have Jason Derulo singing whatever the fuck he wants to sing over the top yeah oh my god yeah it's so beautiful (laughs) Dan we've come to the end of the episode well yeah well this is so much fun thank you yes do you have anything you want to plug promote Follow me on Instagram at Dan underscore J Hoy. Uh, you can find links to my podcast and to my music series from there. You know, I'm also, I'm, a, I'm an acting and vocal coach here in New York City. So if you're ever looking for someone here in the city that you want to train with, go ahead and uh, DM me for some information. I'm actually introducing a new acting class in 2021. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, I know. Yeah. So uh, we're hope well, we're hoping 2021. It depends on the situation that the world is in at that time, um, you know, but um, yeah. So just give me a follow. And if you have any questions for me, feel free to reach out. You know, I always love getting to meet new people and getting to meet if you, if you're a huge fan of cats, you know, say hello. I always, I always do love getting to meet people that love the show and yeah. That's amazing. And maybe I'll sign up for your class. I don't know. I don't need it, but <laughs> always, always fun to support others. If you want to, if you listener want to reach me as at the podcast you can email at but a song pod at gmail.com and we're on facebook instagram and twitter at but a song pod and on the next episode we're going to be talking about bed knobs and broomsticks Ooh, i know so it's such fun dan i'm gonna to have to have you come back at some point i would love to uh, but you get to pick this time because I'm sorry that I tortured you with this one. <laughs> not torture, not torture at all. It's it's a lot of fun to talk about, but yes, I would love to come back on at some point. All right, my, my tire is waiting for me to go to the heavy side later, so I gotta go. <laughs> up, up, up. <laughs> Bye for now, everyone.
Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.